I have a true-false quiz for you this morning. You like quizzes? <laughs> Four questions, okay? Here we go. They're true-false. Number one, the Bible was the first book ever printed on a printing press. True or false? It was true. Number two, the Bible is the best-selling book of all times. True or false? Now, be careful. There could be a trick in here. True, you're right. Number three, the Bible has been translated in nearly 2,000 different languages. True or false? Very good. And finally, number four, the average American household has four Bibles. It's true. How many got them all right? All true. Very good. I can't think of a better topic to share with you on this second Sunday of 2009. Some of you may remember local late night news years ago when the newscaster would come on and he'd say, it's 10 o'clock, do you know where your children are? Some of you remember that. Playing off that, I want to ask you a question as I remind you that we're 11 days into the new year. And here's the question, do you know where your Bible is? I hope so, and I hope you not only know where it's at, but that you've read your Bible this year. Some good news for you. Three out of four Americans believe the Bible is the Word of God. Some bad news. Only one half of those who believe the Bible is the Word of God read the Bible. You know, what a discrepancy between what we believe and our true beliefs as demonstrated by our actions. How many of you have been to our church website, www.ffworship.com? You've been there? www.ffworship.com. This is a plug for our site. If you've been there, along with a lot of good information, there's a section called Our Beliefs. And if you punch that section, click that section, it will pull up six Core statements of belief for faith fellowship. I personally believe if you attend a church, you ought to know what that church believes. So go to that site and punch on our beliefs. We're going to show you right now one of the beliefs we have about the, about the Bible. So check out that website, okay? And here's our belief statement, statement of belief about the Bible. And I would like you to read it with me, okay? The Bible is God's inspired, infallible, and inerrant word. It is the ultimate source of knowledge about God and the definitive guidebook for daily living. Now we have three big words there, all starting with I. Inspired, infallible, and inerrant. The word inspired means it has divine influence. The word infallible means the Bible is incapable of error. And the word inerrant means it's free from any error. You know, God has been gracious to me in my life and allowed me to serve as a pastor in six different churches. And in each of those churches, I, like all pastors, had some common desires for the people. And if you would have asked me what was one thing I wanted for those people in those churches, including you now here at Faith Fellowship, this would have been my answer. 
that the people would read the best book. We refer to the Bible as the good book, but I'm not talking about just the good book. But the people would read the best book, the Bible. Woodrow Crow is a well-known uh, Bible author, or Bible uh, uh, author, yes. And he uh, also works with Back to the Bible radio program. And he has a quote that I want to refer to you right now. Ultimately, we read the Bible because it is the only book God ever wrote. And we dishonor him when we fail to read it. But on the practical side, we read the Bible because we what? Need the Bible. It is the only book that brings sanity to the insanity of a sinful world. You know, I like that. And I thought maybe we could use that as one of our themes around here for 2009. We read the Bible because we need the Bible. Now, we may have a problem if we try to use that. That's one of our themes because, you see, Christians do not believe enough that they need the Bible to read it. We do not believe we need the Bible enough to read it. Less than half of all Christ followers read the Bible in any given week. Now, if you ladies are like the typical American Christian woman, only 45% of you have read your Bible in the last week. Now, men, don't nudge your wife or, or that lady you're sitting beside and puff up your chest because guess what, men? Only 33% of American Christian men have read their Bible in the last week. If we really thought we needed the principles and the truths found in this book, why wouldn't we read it more than we do? You see, I'm convinced if the Bible is not important enough in my life, there's no way I'm going to read it. There's no way. There are a lot of books in print that claim to be the Bible for their field. You can go to Amazon.com this afternoon and you can put in the word Bible. You can pull up stuff like this. The Convection Oven Bible. The Car Buyer's Bible, the Organic Cook's Bible, the Garden Design Bible. There was another one my wife said, you better take out, the Sex Bible. That's not on my notes. But on and on, and I'm not trying to get hits for Amazon.com this afternoon. Webster's Dictionary defined the word Bible this way, two, two definitions. It's the sacred writings of the Christian religion and a book regarded as authoritative in its field. Now, I believe the Bible is not only the sacred writings of Christianity, but also an authority in its field. And it just so happens that the Bible's field is everything. As the video told us before I came on stage, this book is different from any other book in literature. Written over a time span of 1,500 years. Written in three different languages, Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. Written from three different continents, Europe, Africa, and Asia. Written by more than 40 authors. And with such diverse backgrounds, farmer, lawyers, priests, king, doctors, fishermen. And the Bible 
is an authority about everything it references. It's authority on creation, on fear, on parenting, on history, on miracles, on pain, on money, on sex, on work, on the family, on judgment, on the future. There is no other book like it, and there never will be. We're in the, to me, the most exciting time of football is when they, you play, if you don't win, you go home. And I know there's some of your uh, Steelers fans in here, and we're going to have a special prayer for you after the service. <laughs> but Vince Lombardi was the uh, head coach of the Green Bay Packers. And he was a real fanatic for football fundamentals. And after a game in which uh, his Packers lost, he called the, the men together in the locker room and he said, okay, we go back to the basics. And then he took a football and he held it up. And he said, gentlemen, this is a football. The basics. Someone has said to a world that thinks it's quoting Shakespeare when it quotes the Bible, in a world where the Bible has become an unknown book to millions of Christians, to the church that calls Jesus its head but gives restaurant menus and the TV guide closer reading than the Bible, to this world and these Christians and this church, it's time to hold up the Bible and say, People, this is a Bible. This is a life compass. This is how you find your way in life. Our scripture this morning is found in the second book of Timothy, chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. The apostle Paul wrote this. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and teaches us to do what is right. It is God's way of preparing us in every way, fully equipped for every good thing God wants us to do. Here Paul tells us that the Bible is inspired by God. And that word inspired gives a sense of God breathed. The Bible is God's word to us that he gave through divine inspiration to those 40 authors who wrote the 66 books of the Bible. And this fundamental characteristic of being God-breathed makes the Bible relevant for us. It is relevant for our lives today just as it has been relevant for the lives of followers of God for thousands of years. It's relevant when we ask some big questions such as, what's the purpose of life? Where did I come from? Is there life after death? What happens after I die? Why is the world full of evil? Why do I struggle to do good? How do I get to heaven? Did you ever ask any of those questions? The Bible is also beneficial and relevant when we seek answers and advice 
in areas such as what do I look for in a mate? What is success and how do I achieve success? How can I be a good friend? What really matters in life? How can I change? How can I please God? How can I have a good marriage? How do I handle the hurts and heartaches of life? Now this relevance is seen in four areas according to our passage of Scripture. First, the Bible is useful to teach us what is true. We live in an age of deceit and lies. And all of us are looking for the truth. I want to tell you today that we can look to the Bible to teach us what is true and give us help in living our lives. Now this assumes we come to the Bible as learners because only learners can be taught. Some are never able to learn from the Bible because they never ask God to teach them from it. The story is told about a man who was sentenced to life imprisonment in an ancient prison, solitary confinement. They allowed him one book, the Bible, in his cell. And he read it over and over and over. After 33 years, this man died. And when they cleaned out his cell, they found some notes he had written on the walls. The notes were things like this. Psalm 118, verse 8, is the middle verse of the Bible. Ezra chapter 7, verse 21, contains all the letters of the Bible except the letter J. Esther chapter 8, verse 9, is the longest verse in the Bible. When an article was written years later about this individual in Psychology Today magazine, the author of the article noted the oddity of an individual who spent 33 years of his life studying the Bible, yet could only get trivia out of it. It seems the truths that the Bible held for this prisoner were never unlocked. But he did become an expert at Bible trivia. God wants to teach you and me from the Bible. But I've come to learn that we must ask him. And we must come to the Bible as learners. I had an uncle still alive in his late 80s. And he read the Bible probably as much or more than I did. But he read the Bible to find out everything he could to try to dispute the Bible. Dispute the Bible. He never came to the Bible trying to learn what God had from, for him from the Bible. And so just a little note for you. A little advice. Next time you take your Bible and you go to read your Bible... Take a few seconds. Say, God, teach me your truth from this book. The second area where we find the relevance of the Bible is the Bible helps make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Now, I know I'm preaching to perfect people here. 
So I don't even know why I threw this point in. But to be shown what is wrong in our lives can be tough to accept. I don't like it when my wife points out what's wrong with me. Paul refers here, what he refers to here might seem harsh. But it means the Bible can help us realize our wrong ideas and our wrong beliefs about life. All of us, I believe, because of our limited human ability to understand God, are prone to misconceptions and distortions about God, about ourselves, and about life in general that we need to change. For instance, if I measure success in life by how much money a person has accumulated, remember those bumper stickers, he who dies with the most toys wins? But if I measure success in life by how much a person has accumulated and what I can see with the, with the outward eye, their, their accoutrements of wealth. But the Bible tells me that it measures success by a person's faithfulness to God. And the Bible doesn't have to change to meet my criteria. I'm to change. Because my criteria for success needs correction. My belief in this area needs to change and come in line with the Bible. Our third area of relevance is found. The Bible straightens us out and teaches us to do what is right. When we look at the Bible's role in straightening us out and teaching us to do what is right, we're going to zero in on our behavior, not so much our beliefs. You see, sometimes the Bible is a little bit like a frying pan. Let me explain. It had been a hard day at work. And so the man enjoyed sitting down in the den watching a little TV and, and having the newspaper in front of him, kicking back and, and just relaxing. His wife comes up behind him and wham! Right on the back of his head with the, with the frying pan. You know, he, he just can't hardly take it. He's slumped in his chair and his eyes are glazed over and there's a knot forming on the back of his head, and he says, uh, Why'd you do that? Calmly, his wife pulled out a piece of paper from her pocket and said, I was going through your pants pocket, getting ready to do the laundry, and I found this. She showed him a scrap of paper with the name Mary Lou written on it. You know, with a trembling voice, he said, Well, dear, dear, dear. Somebody gave me that name at work. That's a horse that's going to run down to Fairmont Park this Saturday. And he said, it's a sure winner. Well, I'll put some money on it. And, you know, she was so filled with remorse. She said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, honey. I'm sorry. Next night, hard day at work, same chair, watching the evening news, reading the paper, kick back, and wham! She had a good aim because it was the same spot on his head. You know, he just, dear, why'd you do that? Why'd you do that? And she said, dear, your horse called today. (laughs) 
Yeah. Like the frying pan. Sometimes the Bible has a way of getting our attention and straightening out our behavior when it's not in line with what God wants for our lives. You can tell me what's wrong with me. My wife can tell me what's wrong with me. And I can choose to ignore it for a time. But when I read the Bible and God tells me what's wrong with me, I better pay attention. Finally, the Bible is relevant in that it is God's way of preparing us in every way, fully equipped for every good thing God wants us to do. The Bible plays an important role in equipping us to do what we could not do on our own when it comes to a life of usefulness of God, for God. I've got this uh, little thing on my, my shirt, my sweater. It says, simply serving. And if you walk in you'll, on any given Sunday, you'll see many, many dozens of people with one of these. Now, I'm not important enough to have my name on here. So that's not me. It could be simpleton, but no. Simply serving. Understanding that God has a purpose and a, a life of usefulness for us. God wants to do good th- us to do good things for Him and other people that He loves. And the Bible helps get us ready to prepare us for the assignments that God has for us. Paul says that another way here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Paul says we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God knows exactly what you can do for Him to touch the lives of others. In preparing for this message, I came across two top ten lists. But I want to assure you they've never been shown on David Letterman's show. One was the top ten reasons to read the Bible. And the other was top ten reasons why people give that they don't read the Bible. So we're going to look at the top ten reasons to read the Bible. Number ten, reading the Bible gives you confidence. Number nine, reading the Bible insulates you against Satan's attacks. Number eight, reading the Bible helps you think like a Christian. Number seven, reading the Bible helps you define morality. Number six, reading the Bible enables you to discover hope. And number five, reading the Bible identifies the center in your life. Four, reading the Bible helps you discover who you are. Three, reading the Bible guides you to closeness with God. Number two, reading the Bible helps make you special. And the number one reason for reading the Bible, according to the list I found, was reading the Bible helps you change your world. Not only will reading the Bible help you change your own personal world. It will help you change the world and the lives of those around you. You see, everywhere you go, this 
coming week. They're going to be people who need to know about the incredible love of Jesus and His offer of abundant life now and eternal life in the future. The good news that Jesus died for sins and He offers forgiveness is the central truth of the Bible. The Bible changes the world one life at a time. Reading our Bibles and living out what it says will help us change our world. And now the top ten reasons people give why they don't read the Bible. Well, let me say, none of you would give those reasons, would you? I don't know where to start. Number ten. Number nine, I can't find what I want in the Bible. Number eight, the Bible doesn't confirm what I believe. Number seven, I hear the Bible at church. So why do I need to read for myself? Number six, the language of the Bible doesn't make sense to me. Number five, the Bible is such a big book, I could never read it all. Number four, the Bible isn't relevant to my life. Number three, the Bible is boring and wasn't written to me anyway. Number two, reading the Bible isn't a priority in my life. Now I want to give you a chance to pick the number one reason why people give that they don't read the Bible. And before we show it up there, anybody want to venture a guess? <laughs> the number one reason is I don't have time. We seem to believe our lives are too busy to do the things we need to do every day. Work, school, shopping, piano lessons, soccer practice, dinner preparation, TV time. Busy, busy, busy. All of you are busy. I'm busy. Who has time to read the Bible? Who has time to read the Bible? I'm going to tell you who has time to read the Bible. You and I do. Here's why. Time is a set quantity. Each of us has 60, 60, 24. Hike? No. What do I mean? 60 seconds in a minute, 60 minutes in an hour, and 24 hours in a day. Each and every day, we are given 1,440 minutes. Whether we're rich or poor, educated or not, old or young, married or single, children or none, repeat after me. Today I get 1,440 minutes of life. That's assuming you'll all live to midnight. <laughs> and I trust you will. You see, the issue is never about time. It's always about what I choose to do with the time I have. Did you know that one half of the books of the Bible, that's 33 books of the Bible, each of them can be read in less than 30 minutes. Did you know that the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation can be read in less than 75 hours? You say, man, that's a lot of time. And granted, it is a lot of time. But keep in mind that God is going to give us 
8,760 hours this year. Woodrow Kroll, another one of his quotes. Maybe it's time to rethink our reasons for not reading the Bible and just call them what they are, excuses. The Bible is read by people who choose to read it. Bible reading is neglected by people who choose to neglect it. It's just that simple. Ouch! That's pretty hard. But whether we like it or not, I believe Mr. Kroll is right. And it's my prayer for all of us here that we would be people who read the best book, the Bible, in 2009. In fact, to help us, I want to put out a challenge. You like challenges? You want to know what it is first, don't you? (laughs) Well, you're a sharp bunch out there, I'll tell you. This is the challenge that we read together the New Testament this year. 27 books of the Bible, 260 chapters. And as you leave the auditorium in a few moments, the ushers are going to offer you And I say offer because this is just optional, voluntary. They're going to offer you this reading guide put out by Discipleship Journal. It's called the 5x5x5 plan. And this is not an impossible mission. And if you choose to accept this challenge, you read five minutes a day for five days a week. And you will read through the entire New Testament in 2009, five minutes a day, five days a week. And then there are two days a week you don't have to read. You can reflect on what you've read. You can read the five things that they encourage you to do to go deeper in God's Word. So the five by five by five. I know it's January 11th. You're saying, well, hey, why didn't you uh, talk about this at the end of the last year? I wasn't up to preach. (laughs) You can go back. Use some of those free days that they give you. Go back and catch up. You can do it. I know you can. This plan's for all ages. And we've got enough of these for everybody who attended today. So if you want to take one home to, to your teenagers or your children, encourage them five minutes a day. Do it as a family. Amanda was a little six-year-old girl. And in her Sunday school department, they gave away Bibles, and they called it Presentation Sunday. And this happened to be one of those Sundays where all the children were going to receive a Bible from the church. So during the fellowship time after service, the children were out in the, uh, the common area. And someone came up to little Amanda and said, May I see your Bible? She said, okay, but don't open it. And they said, don't open it. Why shouldn't I open it? And Amanda said, you'll let God out. But you see, I'm telling you, friends, don't be afraid. Go ahead. Open your Bible and let God out. And as we read the New Testament together this year, we can encourage each other. In our small groups, as we get together, are you reading? Are you, are you staying up? 
We can encourage each other. We can cheer each other on. And man, I think it's going to be so great to come to the end of this year to be able to look back and say, you know what? A lot of us read through the New Testament this year. And for some of us, that will be the very first time. But we'll look back and realize how God's Word taught us, how God's Word corrected us, how God's Word straightened us out, and how God's Word prepared us for good works. Friends, I want to challenge you. Read the Bible because you need the Bible. I'm going to read the Bible this year, the New Testament, because I know I need the Bible. Let's pray. Loving God, we thank you for your word, the Bible. We thank you that we are fortunate enough in America to have easy access to the scriptures. We pray that this year many of us would take up the challenge and pick up our Bibles and treat it with as much respect and longing as we do our cell phones. It will give at least five minutes a day, every day, in reading through the New Testament. We ask you to teach us from it what we need to learn. And we thank you for the results that are going to come forth in Christ's holy name. Amen.